Welcome to the Concord Podcast. I'm your host, Samuel Delgado. I'm here with Pastor David King. In this episode, we interview Daryl Winters. It's great to have Daryl on this interview. It was fun talking to him. A couple of things that stood out to us in this interview that you may want to be listening for if you're listening to this podcast is how God had called Daryl into ministry, but Daryl had other plans for his life. And I think a lot of us can relate to that kind of thing. And it's just encouraging, Sam, to have heard how the Lord worked in Daryl's life to convict him, to humble him, and to redirect him on the path that God meant for him to walk. And then another thing that we were encouraged by is when Daryl was talking about discovering his gift as a teacher of God's Word. And he gave some really good counsel about how any Christian can help discern what the gift is that they receive from the Spirit. So that'd be something worth listening for. Yeah, absolutely. I think anyone that's listening should be encouraged to to know that it's never too late to answer God's call and to be courageous and have faith that God will will meet you when when you do. So let's hear some stories. Well, thank you for doing this. Um, we appreciate it. You're welcome. Uh, as you're heading out, but I know yeah. <laughs> I know David thought you know, the the church would be blessed by it. So I'm excited to kind of hear from you, and hear your story. Uh, but let's start there with your testimony. Tell us a little bit about how you grew up and how you came to know Christ. Well, I grew up in a Christian family, and I'm thankful to the Lord for that, and a really solid church there in the Saudi Daisy area. A great pastor who I had the honor of doing his funeral back in June. Oh, wow. But a solid expositor. So I had mm. that in my formative years, even though I didn't really appreciate it until later. Right. But uh, like a lot of people, I think, made a profession of faith at VBS and mm. saw some friends walk an aisle, and so did I. You jumped in. But uh, it was about five years later when I was really convicted and felt the heaviness of my sin and the separation from Christ. And before an invitation was given, I I trusted him. It was on a Wednesday night, and I mean, my heart was crushed, and I just cried out to the Lord Jesus to save me, and he did. Unfortunately, um, not not that that's unfortunate, but a couple of years later, I thought that the Lord might be calling me and drawing me to ministry, but I wanted to go into radio. Yeah. And I didn't go into Christian radio. And I went in to secular radio. And unfortunately, again, uh, didn't didn't abandon the faith by any means, but was not walking wholly with the Lord. Hmm. By His grace, He drew me back, brought some brokenness, nothing too traumatic, but some brokenness, and ended up being invited to church not far from here, and and I would go to church some there at my home church, but just basically to appease my parents. But I remember going to that church, it was on a Sunday night, and hearing the singing and the preaching, and that very night I was like, Lord, I miss you so much. Hmm. And that just began a progression of what am I going to do with my life? And it was a matter of weeks where I just... I was encouraged to go to Preset Ministries, and I did, and I was starting to learn how to study the Bible. I know I'm making big jumps here. Yeah. But with that under underway, really did sense that, Lord, I think you did call me. And though I said mm. no, I think you're showing me grace to come and, and get this right. Wow. So that happened. And in a matter of months, I, I had I'd gone into secular radio, as I said, and I just went in. It's funny, David, I think I told you this story that 
I wanted to leave, but I was afraid because I had a car payment. You know, <laughs> yeah. something at the time that seemed magnanimous. <laughs> and it was on a Saturday night. I went in to do my shift. It was a great shift, but two times an hour for five hours, I had to read two promotions that basically celebrated godless debauchery. And mm. I was teaching Sunday school the next morning. Yeah. And by the end of that shift, I was sick to my stomach. Mm. And I left there that night and I said, that's it. No more. Wow. Come Monday, I'm going to tell them I'm done. So yeah. I went in on Monday morning and I met with my bosses who were very good to me. And they knew that I had, had sensed a call to ministry. I'd told them that. Hmm. They said, where are you going? I said, I don't know, but I know that uh, it's time. I'll give you a month, and that's what I did. Wow. Um, yeah. I'm glad later. you shared that. I was going to ask you if you'd be willing to oh, share yeah, that. I think it's no. just helpful for people to hear you're having to actually work directly against your conscience mm-hmm. while you're feeling convicted. Yeah. And the Lord used that to pry you loose from a job that you had enjoyed. And we didn't typically do those live announcements. We were so full. This was toward, uh, it would have been in November of 1994, and it was coming up on holidays. And that's why we were so full on commercials to where I think legally at that time, the FCC only allowed you so many minutes an hour for commercials. Well, we were full, so we had to add those live spots. That was very untypical. Oh, wow. And it just so happened that that night I got the ones of like, go out and, you know, celebrate, you know, debauchery, really. <laughs> and I'm not trying to sound overly spiritual there. It, it really was bad. One was like for a strip club. Mm, and I'm yeah. like, tomorrow morning I'm going to be telling people about Jesus and his goodness. And tonight I'm telling them go out and enjoy some immorality. And it just mm. killed me. Mm. So. Wow. Tell me a little bit more about, because you said before you got into radio that you had felt that calling. So how how was that made known to you? And then, you know, what went into your decision to pursue radio despite that? Okay. I was, I'm an extrovert and I just enjoy people. Yeah. When I came to know Christ, my pastor who mentored me and he left my senior year and I'm not blaming him. Um, I, I'm not. He he needed to make that move. But I think I let that bother me and mm-hmm. not, not really understanding the sovereignty of God like the Lord knows what he's doing. And I just kind of started wondering. And in high school, this sounds terrible, but I was fairly popular. And I liked it. Yeah. And I thought radio, that would be fun. I had a family member that worked in radio, and I told David this. I said, I didn't really think of it like this at the time, but I was building my Tower of Babel. I wanted to make a name for myself. Hmm. But to do that, I had to say no to the Lord. And before I went into radio, you ask about how did I know that? It was just, it was, people were saying like, I think the Lord may may be calling you to ministry. I mean, you're you're good with people. You do seem to like the Bible. And I did, even as a teenager, I, I, I read through the Bible. Is that kind of touchy-feely? Yeah, a little bit. But for a 17, 16-, 17-year-old, that, that's what I was going on. I was like, well, maybe this is the call of God. But yeah. then I was very much willing to to, to step away and, and go pursue making yeah, a name for myself. Yeah, you're kind of called to the world. Um, we talk about calling in the sense of two-sided. You've got people in your life who yeah. are maybe recognizing you have a gift or a call yeah. in your life, and then you actually have to have a call from a yeah, church right, saying, come, right. be one of our ministers or pastors. Yeah. So you must have handled the Word in some way that people could hear you do that, even as a teenager. How mm-hmm. did they know that you loved the Word and weren't just a good people person? Well, I remember someone got a 
got my Bible, and they said, this thing is worn out, like even the Old Testament. I was like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll read <laughs> That's the radical. whole thing. I, I know, it's crazy. And, but I would make little notes and whatnot, and uh, then just talking uh, to people at church. I, I, was, I was relatively engaged as a teenager as far as listening to the sermons. I think more of it, though, had to do that I was a people person. Okay. And, and, but I did know, I did very well. Like, I won the Bible Award in middle school. So, <laughs> what does that, no, what does that mean? No, well, I was in Bible class, okay. even at, at Saudi Daisy Middle School. And let's face it, there was like 15 other kids that didn't even know the Bible. So, it wasn't too hard to win that award. But, <laughs> but I really enjoyed reading and getting to know scripture. And then people said, you're good with people, you like the Bible, you must be called to ministry. <laughs> that, that's kind of how it was. And my pastor, he said, Darrell, I think the Lord might, might have his hand on you. And I'm, okay. But it just, I, I was still at a place where I wasn't thinking long term. I was thinking the now, in the moment. So, Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's an incredible story. Uh, it's really encouraging to see that you're in that position um, and really tested in that in that moment where you really had to make a decision do i continue doing what i'm doing what's comfortable yeah and as you stated you had to take a leap it didn't sound like it was easy Mm -hmm. because you didn't know where you were going to go you didn't have that answer you had to take a leap of faith and trust that god would provide uh so can i say something on that yeah it's it's incredible how god works because that step in 1994 which seemed so huge, but looking back, it, and it was huge for a, for a kid, basically. But when I stepped down from the church that I pastored, and I'm guessing we'll probably talk about some of that, when I stepped down a year and three months ago, I remembered back to 1994, hmm. and God just reminding me, I was faithful then. You think I'm going to drop you now? Wow. Just trust me and go, son. Yeah. So. That's great. Yeah. It, but but those, quote, insignificant moments that you think 20, 25, 30 years ago, God can use those even in your present present walks. So oh, absolutely. Incredible. And I think he means to do that. He does. Yeah, yeah, that as we learn to take those smaller steps of faith, when the bigger steps come, we can remember God's faithfulness in the past and hopefully be encouraged to keep on walking right. in faith. That's great. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, that's fantastic. Those, those things are just, it goes to show you they can help build your faith as you look back. You can see how God has been faithful, and that helps you to to know to look towards Him and to trust Him. Remember Him, remember awesome. His faithfulness in the past, and trust Him in your present and for your future. That's kind of, I think I heard somebody say that one time, so I've just kept that in my mind. Yeah, I love that. So you you leave radio and you you start you go to precept uh, mm-hmm. catch up to uh, what happened there and, and you know how that led to where you are now well I was doing a weekend workshop and it was second Timothy and I was starting to discover how to study the Bible and really go hey not just picking a verse out but how's this letter put together and they brought in it's funny it was one of those like 35 inch television screens that weigh about 500 pounds and they said we want to play a clip for you of someone who teaches with this method. And it was uh, the late Wayne Barber. He pastored at Woodland Park Baptist Church for years uh, on two different stints. And they showed about a five-minute clip. And, and Wayne was a, a phenomenal Bible teacher, in my opinion. And I just remember thinking, I want to know the God of the Scriptures like that. <laughs> and I want to know the Scripture like that. And, and it really, at that point, was not an ego thing of, hey, I think I can impress people. It was just like, no. I want to know the Lord like that, and I want other people to hear him and hear about him. 
So that just started to drive me to where I was reading scripture. And, and it's not that I didn't read commentaries, but at that time I wasn't preaching, but I was just soaking up the entire Bible. And let's face it, at that age, I'm still learning a lot and, uh, you know, picking things up. But um, How old were you around then? Early 20s, see, mid-20s? Uh, early, uh, 24, roughly in that, that range, 24, yeah. So almost mid-20s, okay. or right in the middle. Yeah. And uh, it, that just launched. And then the pastor at my home church said, because uh, well, I'd gone forward to tell the church, hey, I really do think God has called me, and I'm going to say yes this time. And he said, would you be willing to teach a Sunday school class? And, and I'm going to say this in love. He wasn't the wisest man because I said yes, and he goes, I want you to teach the adults. I'm like, I'm 24, dude. <laughs> yeah. But I'm teaching people that my parents, when I was a little kid, they had given permission to whip if I stepped out of line. And they did on occasion. But I remember teaching a Sunday school class. And I just picked the book of Titus. And one of the ladies who used to be on me all of the time, (laughs) she comes to me one, it's probably three weeks in. And she said, I believe God has given you something because you're explaining the scriptures and I'm getting it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, there you go. Wow. Wow. one of the things I think a person can uh, use to know their spiritual gifting. Now, this isn't a hard, fast rule, but there's a desire as far as like, Lord, I want to serve you. And I know scripturally, if I'm a believer, I have at least one. But you look for opportunities that present themselves. Then as you go through those, look for godly affirmation, not just your mama saying, hey, you're, you did well. <laughs> so, but, but that's what happened. I started having people say, Daryl, I think God's given you something here because you're you're explaining the scripture and it's making a lot of sense. Yeah, and that was just part of my progression and going. Okay, here we go. And then in 1999, I went to Idaho to help a church out in the summertime to do youth ministry, and that's where I learned that was not my calling. And it, <laughs> it was great, but I was like, Lord, get me get me out of this. Yeah, and and that's really the trajectory of pastoral ministry. So, yeah, and what I'm kind of hearing from your story is, you know, you see even though it didn't come till later in life and you already kind of started a different career. Um, in other words, you didn't start right away in, in ministry, right. but you had clearly a desire for Scripture mm-hmm. and you're clearly a people person and God has used those things to, to bless other people through your ministry. Which, without bragging on him because he's sitting across the table, but the pastor that I grew up under had such a love for the Lord and His Word and the great doctrines of the faith. That was more impressionable on me than I realized at the time. Hmm. He preached the Bible, and Brother David King here does that. And I know our our other pastors do too. That is going to pay dividends in the long run because I was nourished in the Scriptures, even though I, I, I guess you could say I lost my taste a little bit for just a season. Man, it was quickly brought back. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really cool too. How it was another pastor that sort of spurred you on. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah, a couple of things. Just following up with that, you mentioned earlier in this interview expository preaching, mm-hmm. and now we're talking about preaching the Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, tell us what that is. What is expository preaching? Well, you're taking the scripture and you're you're studying the text and you're doing what's called exegesis. You're drawing from the text what's in the text, not imposing on the text what you want, which it would be called eisegesis. Reading into it. Yeah, yeah. reading into it. Well, I, it. well, this means this to me. Well, 
is that what it means is the better question. But you're, you're really kind of systematically working through Scripture, and you're not skipping parts that are difficult or challenging. You're, you're facing those, and you're saying, Lord, I don't understand all of this, but it's here, so let's cover it. And it, it's just, I think it's an objective approach to this is the Word of God. And he didn't put some of these parts in here to be ignored, but we need all of Scripture. I mean, you think of 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture. What's Paul referring to largely there? The Old Testament, and yeah, there's some New Testament written by that time. So taking the text and studying. And one of the things, I want to make this point real quick. Sometimes I think people have the idea that if you're gifted in something that, oh, I actually had a person say, well, you're gifted in preaching and teaching, so you don't have to study. And I was like, are you (laughs) kidding me? Yeah, David laughs. No, it's because of the gifting that I want to study. Right. And I want to labor in the Word. I love it. But it's not like God gives you a gift and you just waltz up to the pulpit, you know, without reading and these eloquent, masterful sermons come. No, they come with diligent work and the empowering of the Spirit of God. And that's true not just with the teaching gift, oh, but yeah, like administration, right. helps, Your hospitality. Work. We can grow and sharpen our gift that God has given us with Paul, His help. Yeah, yeah, kindle afresh the gift of God that is within you. I mean, that's what Paul tells Timothy. Stoke that fire. Work on it. So, Yeah, that's helpful. The other thing I wanted to follow up on is really different question, okay. but you had mentioned um, building a name for yourself, your mm-hmm. own Tower of Babel, and then now you're like at precept after this big life change. And it's not an ego thing for you now. Now you're thinking about serving other people. How did God humble you through all of that? Because you went from, you know, the Babel experience to more of a servant posture towards other people with the Word. I was watching people that were known. They've got riches, notoriety, uh, prestige, all of these things. And and even at that time, before the Internet was really big and you, you had all of this access at your fingertips, I would hear of stories of these celebrities who would die in misery, and a lot of them would take their own lives. And I, and I thought, how could someone who has arrived, basically, be so empty? And I'm thinking of that through the theological lens without trying to just over-spiritualize it, but I'm like, it really is Ecclesiastes to where the book of Ecclesiastes is not that everything is vain. Everything is vain if you live a life apart from God. I mean, you look at the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, you know, two things, fear God and keep his commandments. I just saw that pursuing a life to make your name great at the cost of, of rejecting or ignoring God leads to despair. And I saw that. God gave me something, I think, a wisdom in that moment to know that that's not a good pursuit. I mean, it, it, it's futile. And even if you don't uh, say, oh, it's miserable, then you're just satisfied with less than what you should be satisfied with. But I, I learned that early. I, I just give praise to the Lord for that because I'm not that smart of a guy. So. Yeah, that's helpful mm-hmm. and encouraging. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So you start teaching Sunday school, mm-hmm. and it's, it's very clear that you know people are being uh, blessed by it. So lead us to, you know, how, how you ended up here, uh, okay. and maybe talk a little bit about your about your time here at uh, Concord. So let me do a, a quick summation. I did go back to college. I graduated from UTC. 
uh, it, it's a super spiritual uh, thing. Uh, I went in, and they said, what do you want to study? I said, what am I closest to graduation with? They said, psychology. I went, sign me up. So, uh, sorry, I just snapped my fingers there. But uh, So I, I finished psychology uh, with a bachelor's degree, and then... Fast forward, I went to Southwestern Seminary and worked on my master's degree and came out of Fort Worth and ended up in Whitwell, Tennessee, hmm. a great little town. Yeah. And for 15 and a half years, got to minister and love those folks, and they loved us back. Well, there toward the end, I was living 44, 45 miles away and just really began to feel a sense of, God, I'm too far away from Whitwell. I need to be closer to the people I'm going to shepherd. So a little more time, I told my wife, I said, I think God may be getting us ready for a move. And she said, no, because she had never grown up in the church. She goes, no, these are, these are my people. These are, this is my church family. And I'm an introvert. And, and anyway, but then the Lord brought her along and we finally realized that God is getting ready to move us. And we think it's to plant a church in our hometown. So informed the elders at the church, informed the deacons and then the congregation there. And that, I, I just skipped a whole bunch of stuff. But that was a year and three months ago that we left. We did not know how long it was going to take to plant the church. But what we did know was we've got to be a part of a fellowship. We have to have that. Well, I knew David from years ago, and Chris McKinney was my next-door neighbor, it, oh, well. at seminary and yeah, cool. Chris had sent me a text hey come to Concord so the first Sunday it was August 2nd I believe we are at we're at Concord and the only times we missed is when I was filling in preaching somewhere we did have one weekend where my wife had been exposed she's a teacher so we, we had to miss church one Sunday and I was about to die came bebopping in here the next Sunday so glad to see people but it was important for us to be a part of a, of a fellowship so uh, of course, coming out of the pandemic, the, there was no new members class until I think, what was that, David, November, December maybe, and, and we went through that. So we joined in January of this year, and now we've already left. You know, Are you still a member, like currently? Well, technically right we now? are, because we're not constituting until next Sunday, and then yeah. we'll send the letter. So yeah, I'm still a member at Concord. So see, Sam, we're interviewing a member today. Yeah, there you go. There you yeah. go. Uh, and, and, and let me say this. Uh, I've got a dear friend who also launched out several years ago to plant a church. And it's been a lot of discouragement for him. And I told him recently, I said, one of the best things that happened to us was that we landed at Concord because we needed a different kind of healing. Uh, We did not leave because we were being forced out. We didn't necessarily want to go. They didn't want us to leave. So it was a different healing. We got that here. I think that's one of the best things about this church is that you can come here and God will just nourish you, heal you up, to get you back out there to serve. So Concord has done that for me and my family. That's why Concord is so special to us. Can you talk a little bit more about that and specifically how, how you've served and you know how, how, how do you come to that conclusion <laughs> that you, this healing is taking place here? Well, first of all, just being with the people of God, that is such an essential thing, not a legalistic thing, but, but being with the people of God when you can be. Of course, it was the, the pandemic protocol, so we, we had not even seen the real Concord where everyone's there until just, I think, one Sunday morning. They thought the weather was going to be good, and then we got forced inside, and I was like, yeah! Because it was, <laughs> and, and David, I think you even came out and was like, look at this! But uh, I, I, I lose my track there. Um, we, we recognized being 
a part of the, the church is, is not only a personal benefit, but it also helps others in the church. You know, people would say, hey, you're an outgoing guy. It's good to see you here. It's, um, you know, David, you even texted me one day and said, brother, just to let you know, I, I see from the pulpit when I'm preaching, you, you're, you're engaged, and, and that, that helps me as a pastor. Well, well, as a pastor, I know that, and, and it wasn't fake. I really do want to be in the Word and encouraged and encouraging, so that happened. Uh, and then the interesting thing, I'd never assumed that I would ever be in a position to do much here because we didn't know how long we would be. And David, I think it was back in March, I think you ended up having two funerals in the same week. So he calls me up and he says, hey, can you teach for me tomorrow? And I was like, yeah. So I did a thing on Hebrews, uh, just chapter one, just kind of an overview. And then we decided, David said, hey, let's do six more of those. And so we did six more on Wednesday nights. It was, I think, starting in June. And then we finished those up back in August, something like that. Yeah, or even September. Or maybe September, Yeah. yeah. It was probably the strangest way to go through a book of the Bible in three sections, yeah, yeah. but yeah, you did great. It, it was so encouraging to our church. It was good. And then uh, I did get to preach here one time, and unfortunately, at David's not feeling well expense. Yeah. And, yeah, I was in Knoxville, Tennessee. Tennessee had won, and David texted me, he goes, you going to be at church tomorrow? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, can you preach? And I'm like, sure. I didn't even tell him I was in Knoxville. <laughs> no, you didn't. I but, wouldn't have asked if no, I'd known. No, brother. I'm so glad. See, I'm glad you didn't know because... Uh, not that I ever expected, not that I wouldn't have wanted to preach here, but, you know, it, it's not it's nothing that I expected because, you know, we have multiple pastors. But I'm so glad I got that opportunity. The only thing I don't like is that I was trying to compensate for the Lord's Supper, so it's probably the shortest sermon I've ever preached. And, uh, and I feel like I just, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, shortchanged the folks. But. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm making up for that. <laughs> Did people oh. carry you out on their shoulders that no, Sunday? No, no. But see, and that's another thing is you don't want like people to think, hey, that was a short sermon. Yeah, and I'm not happy with it. And, and you shouldn't be. So. <laughs> right, right. It was still like 20, close to 30 minutes. But yeah, so I'm sorry about that, David, if, no, I, if good. I did any damage. So tell me a little about, um, you know, you've been here for, for this short window and now you're starting your church plant. Yeah. So as you kind of leave, um, you know, what, what's your what's your prayer for this church as you um, – as, as you're leaving? Well, my prayer, uh, one benefit is that I'm planting and Concord has planted and Redeemer Fellowship started yesterday. I mean, they're a real launch. That one of the things I've noticed is that there's a lot of spiritual warfare in this process. And I can only imagine that it's that it's going to be here at Concord too. It just, when you're going forth with the gospel, you're going to have opposition. So I pray for the unity within the body at Concord. I pray for encouragement for the pastors because ministry can be very wearying and, and discouraging. I'll just say it. I mean, David, maybe not for you. I bet it is. Um, and I am kidding there. But that the people will see that God has promised to build his church. And Bill Horton uh, uh, said this. He said, I don't believe God is leading us to plant a church in Catoosa County to harm Concord Baptist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this man is so wise. Yeah. Jesus promised to build his church, and he's doing that. So I pray that Concord will will continue to see that, support their elders, their pastors, and just believe that God is in this. I think he is. I think it's very obvious. And there are people all around this area that you would assume that in the you know supposed Bible Belt that there's just solid expository teaching churches, but they're not. I mean, I'm just going to say that. Um, there's a great need for for the Bible to be 
properly taught and preached. And uh, there's plenty of room out there. So, yeah. But may the Lord give, give Concord the grace as you all go through this transition of, of giving up several families. But God's going to, I think he's going to replenish you quickly. I really do. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. That's great. Well, any, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, thank you for the invite. It, uh, I, I, was, I was looking forward to this because yesterday, it, although it was a, an exciting day, I do miss Concord already. And you say, how can you miss a church that you've been at basically for a little over a year? When you're around the people of God and, and those people love the Word, they love the Lord, and they love to serve Him, that's contagious. And I miss what fellowship we've had here. And I just hope that Grace Fellowship, that's the church we've planted, will have that kind of a heartbeat. Concord is a place of great uh, preaching and a place of great healing. And I'm not talking about it in some weird way, but it's just good. And it's I, I know every church has its issues, but I believe Concord is a light in this community. And I hope that uh, Redeemer Fellowship will be that, and I hope that Grace Fellowship will be that. I hope that churches will be that because there are Amen. plenty of hurting people out there. Yeah. Amen. Awesome. Well, I think it's great that... As you're leaving, you're also leaving us with this with this interview. So I, yeah. I thank you, and I think uh, I think we'll be blessed by it for sure. And uh, you know, we'll be that'll continue to be our prayer for for you and your church as thank well. You. And you know, thank you for the time that you had with us. And I, I know I, a lot of people were blessed by your teaching. So yeah. we appreciate that. Uh, any closing thoughts from you, Dave, before we uh, close? Yeah, up? this interview is just a great parting gift from you, Daryl. Thank well, you. Well, I appreciate the invite. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and, and I hope to be able to drop in on those occasions when I'm not at Grace Fellowship. I do. Uh, just, uh, and I'm going to keep up with what Concord is doing. So, Awesome. All right. Well, Dave, you want to close out in prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time with Daryl. Thank you for your grace in his life, that you would save him, that you would call him to ministry, and even when he went his own way, that you would pursue him and humble him and convict him and set him back on the path you meant for him to take. God, thank you for the way you've used him over the years as a pastor and the way you've used him and his family to encourage us as a church this last year and three months. And Lord, it just gives us so much joy to see that he's launched out to plant Grace Fellowship. And we ask that you would give growth to that church, that you would save the lost, that you would build the fellowship of saints there around your word and let that church be a bright light for Jesus Christ in the community that they land in. Get much glory for yourself. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're encouraged. If you were, share this with somebody you know, and make sure to share your story as well. And we'll see you on the next episode.